Hi guys, this is Drew from the Cellcast, and we have finally reached the end of our TAS coverage re-releases of Star Trek Lower Deck Seasons 2 and 3. This episode is uh, episodes 9 and 10, which are Trusted Sources and The Stars at Night. This was uh, the season finale of season, episodes 2 and uh, of season 3, so... Uh, once again, keep an eye out for our coverage of the Star Trek Lower Decks Strange New Worlds crossover episode, Those Old Scientists, which should be very, very soon. Uh, and once again, if you have liked what you've heard so far, please let us know. We may consider doing this for other shows and, uh, maybe even give it its own podcast feed. We'll see. Anyway, thank y'all once again and, uh, enjoy the show. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Come on now and sit down for the future. I don't think I've ever mentioned this on here before, but mm. do you realize how amazing it is that this silly little cartoon show that is only meant to be a streaming thing actually has a full orchestra yeah. doing the music every week? Yeah. I've not thought, I, I, I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's just, that is a thing you don't think about because no other show do I, no other animated show do I, do I know of actually has a full orchestra doing its music. True. Anyway, let's jump into this. Yeah. Trusted Sources, directed by Phil Mark Sagadraka and written by Ben M. Waller. In this episode, a visiting reporter on the Cerritos puts Captain Freeman on edge. No, you think? <laughs> Fred Tadasior, along with playing Shax, also played the character of Steve Leva. Carlos Alazaraki plays Admiral Les Buenamigo who finally shows his colors this week. Yeah. Which you saw a mile, a mile wide. <laughs> Didn't help that I kept talking about it. Yeah. It, it's like, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, he's the guy. Of course. Yeah. Allison Becker played Victoria Nuse. Sean Clements played Benir. Kevin Dorf played Starbase 80 Officer One. Georgia King played Petra Aberdeen. Phil Lamar was the Cerritos docking bay officer. Hmm. Lauren Lapkus played Jennifer Schreyen. Jessica McKenna was Barnes. Carl Tart was Kayshawn. And of course, Paul F. Tompkins as the Cerritos security guard and Miglimo. Miglimo. That's the character's name. Miglimo. Trivia for this episode. This is the third episode in the Alito arc. 
because in this episode, the USS Alito uh, shows up, and it is named after the hometown of writer Ben M. Waller's wife, Victoria. This made the front page of her hometown newspaper. Really? Yes. (laughs) And for those of you who are curious where the town of Alito, Texas is, it is west of Mineral Wells, Hmm. Texas, which means it's west of Fort Worth. Ah. Uh, this I- The idea of Starfleet revisiting civilizations that were previously visited and checking up on them was first mentioned by Captain Freeman in the season one finale, No Small Parts, when the Cerritos, Cerritos visited Beta 3 and saw that the Batons had regressed back to worshipping Landrew. Freeman even suggested to Admiral Buenamigo that they could go back to Beta 3 after it was discovered that the Onarans are doing well and didn't need Federation assistance. This episode marks the first appearance of the Ornarans and the Breckians since the Next Generation episode Symbiosis. I went back and watched the episode Symbiosis because I was curious. Because while the show does give a very, very short explanation of what happened in that episode Mm -hmm. for the purposes of explaining what happened Mm -hmm. for this show, they kind of skimped on why it was Picard quote-unquote just left Hmm. because it was a little more than that okay basically picard and crew got involved because of a distress call okay that was made by a ship that where the a a, uh deal was going down between some onarans and some breckians fun fact matthew buttrick who played uh dr david marcus in star trek 2 the wrath of khan and star trek 3 the search for spock played one of the one of the breckians in this episode Fun fact. Hmm. But uh, basically, a deal was going down to move this drug back and forth, but then Picard and crew didn't know that's what it was. They're trying to help these people get off the ship before, you know, it burned up in an atmosphere. Hmm. And uh, he's trying, they're trying to get them to beam themselves off because they're having some interference because of stuff going on in the system. Hmm. And they finally get a transporter lock on something and they go ahead and transport it over and it's their cargo, not the six people on board the ship. Mm. So Riker says, first starts trying to tell them to get on the transport. He says, oh no, just forget it. Just beam over any life sign on board the ship. Just beam anything over that. That's got a life sign, beam it over here. He, they only get four. Mm. Two of them did not get saved, unfortunately. Mm. And so they get back on here and, you know, they, they're all wanting to make sure the cargo is safe. So they all go down there and it's very obvious that the Onarans are really a lot more desperate about what's going on than the Brekkians. The Brekkians just want to make sure that they're, uh, that the cargo was safe. The Onarans really want to get into the cargo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the Brekkians are, the Onarans are claiming that the, uh, the cargo was paid for. The fact that it blew up on the ship is inconsequential. The Breckians think there is no, you, you didn't trade for anything, so this cargo is still ours. Now, after a little bit of time, because I'm going to jump ahead here, obviously they realize, yeah, there was a plague on Onara. Brecca, uh, Brecca did have the, the cure for it. The thing is, the plant that had the cure is a narcotic mm. that is very addictive. And apparently the Breckians had had this plague first and they learned it, but re- did not do anything to tell the Onarans 
that uh, the the medicine was actually a very addictive drug. Mm. And even worse, as they continued to refine the drug to get into smaller and smaller doses, it also made the drug more addictive. Mm. So basically, Picard was stuck between, had, had his own Kobayashi Maru scenario here because the Prime Directive technically was involved as neither culture was, had warp drive. Hmm. If you remember, Federation can't really get involved in between two, any in a culture if it doesn't at least have warp drive. Technically, for political reasons, you shouldn't get involved at all if they're not Federation. Mm. But beside the point. So eventually, at some point, the Onarans decide, hey, it would be really horrible if we lost our entire market base. So we'll go ahead and give you the medicine now, and we'll work out a payment plan later, which meant. Picard had no way of stopping him at that point mm. and went ahead and was going to transport everyone down to the planet was also going to transport down two uh, exhaust manifolds of some kind, because that's what blew up. That was what caused the first ship to have so much trouble. And they mm. had only, and the, the entire planet only had two ships left and they were not working very well either. Mm. But Picard said, no, you're not getting that because uh, we can't really interfere with your society. And when the Breckians said, you can't do that, that would ruin our enti the entire economy of both places. You weren't worried about the prime directive when it worked in your favor. Okay. So yeah, Picard beams everyone down sans exhaust port, exhaust manifolds or whatever, and leaves stating. And, and, and the thing is this entire episode very obviously the drug PSA. Of course. To the point where there is an entire point where Wesley Crusher, kind lamb that he is, <laughs> asks, or asks the question, I don't understand why anyone would allow themselves to be addicted to, to synthetic drugs like this. And Tasha Yar has to, since she grew up on a very horrid planet, explains all this to him and he doesn't understand it. She, of course, says, and I hope you never have to understand yeah. it. And then there's a whole thing at the end. It's like, we could have helped them. We could have made it simpler. It's, just, it's up to them to figure out. It, it's very, a very, it's what you would expect of a very humanist drug PSA. Yeah. Fun fact. That episode, you know, I mentioned Tasha Yar was in this yeah. episode. Mm -hmm. This episode was made and shown after the episode Skin of Evil where she died. Originally. So she shows up in one episode. One ep well, she'll show up later on because of act with actually decent reasons as right. to why she's able, why she survived. But in that particular episode, it's not, it's not it's technically takes place before the episode she died. Even by star date, it does. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it was the order it was shot in, and the order it was shown in, both were placed after Skin of Evil. So, in her last scene in this, as Picard and Crusher are walking out of the cargo bay. You can see her in the background, and all of a sudden, right before, right as the doors, the automatic doors close, she starts waving frantically at the cameras like she's saying bye. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not just like a simple, you know, kind of a, you'll never notice it on a C, on an old CRT from the 1980s going, bye. And it's like, it's like, hey, you dropped your corner. <laughs> kind of a thing i got you just it's like hey look at me i'm gone just throwing all that in there oh okay uh so yeah that's that's basically what happened 
in the setting that they are doing their flyby over. I gotcha. Also, this episode is the first appearance of the Breen since the Deep Space Nine finale, What You Leave Behind. Hmm. Those were the people who had infested Bracca that had the helmets that looked like they were stolen off out yeah. of Jabba the Hutt's palace yeah. in Return of the Jedi. Right. Which is what I thought when they showed up in Deep Space Nine. Right. Uh, Buen Amigo suggesting that the Onaran government may be secretly run by kids or, or somebody pretending to be the devil are references to the original series episodes Miri and Devil's and Next Generation episode Devil's Do. Hmm. During Mariner's confusion by the crew's reaction to something she didn't do, she asks whether she is in a frame of mind situation, referencing Next Generation episode Frame of Mind, where William T. Riker was psychically tortured during an undercover mission on Talonis 4, which in turn was the same name of Dr. Beverly's Crusher's play, Riker Found Himself. Victoria Nuse mentioned several past events from the series. Mm. Ransom turning into a giant head and trying to eat the ship from strange energies. Freeman had an emotional breakdown after taking the engineering team on a spa trip on in Room to Growth, Room for Growth. Freeman transporting a Dupler into a party from an embarrassment of Duplers. Freeman giving a Pandaronian drill instructor a poly heart attack in Ixcretus. Kayshawn being turned into a puppet in Kayshawn, his eyes open. Spear-wielding aliens took over the Cerritos in Temporal Edict. Quark got kidnapped in Here All Trust Nothing. The incidents with Peanut Hamper, the Exocomp in No Small Parts, and a mathematically perfect redemption. And of course, the encounters with Q in the episode Veritas. Steve Levi continues to believe in conspiracy theories. When Mariner is sent away, he assumes that it is some sort of temporal Cold War operation. The temporal Cold War was a running storyline throughout all of Enterprise to explain why history was changing in the show. Hmm. Okay. Shax claims that the Breen do not take prisoners, which is not true. Many episodes from the Breen show the Breen's taking prisoners and slaves in battle during Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Huh. Okay. The personnel of Starbase 80 are shown wearing 2360s era, aka Next Generation era, style com badges. Hmm. There is a Pyrithian bat on Starbase 80. Flocks on Enterprise used to own a Pyrithian bat as a pet. Hmm. And Petra Aberdeen, who first appeared in Reflections, returns and suggests searching for a Vel for Veldanan monies, a species originally featured in the animated series episode The Jihad. Hmm. And that is what I've got for this episode. What are your thoughts, my friend? Oh, okay. So when they get the call, it's like, oh, because, you know, the, the bad admiral shows up. <laughs> were you were you surprised at all that he was the one behind? No, I wasn't uh, at all. The, uh, the implant. No, I wasn't. I wasn't either. Actually, I was actually a little bit surprised when I was first watching it. Yeah, because I did not recognize Buena Amiga. I didn't while they mentioned Buen Amigo throughout the entire show mm -hmm. or entire season three, it didn't connect. The character didn't make yeah. an impact on me until this episode. Okay. That makes sense. So be like, they, they get the, the message from Buen, Buen Omega. Is yeah. Right? Buen Amigo. Buen Amigo. Buen Amigo. It's a, it's a bad name. <laughs> yeah. Buen Amigo. Mi, Buen Amigo. Buen Amigo. Uh, like Bueno Amigo. Yeah. Bueno Amigo. Uh, 
so they get that call and it's like, oh yeah, you're gonna get the the uh the reporter. And I'm yes. thinking like I'm, I'm thinking the exact same thing that uh Captain Freeman is like, oh crap. Oh, no, no, no. We need to have Mariner not be involved. Yeah. Ironically, Mariner's the only one on her side in this entire episode. You did not see that coming, did you? No, I I mean like a part a part of me because like you've been saying all since we started back into this that Mariner was gonna get kicked out of Starfleet. Uh-huh. Guess what? She didn't technically get kicked out. She got sent to Starbase 80 mm-hmm. where she quit. <laughs> yeah. There was a there was a part of me because they're gonna be like watching the entire episode. I'm like, oh no. Oh no, yeah. what is Mariner gonna do? What is Mariner gonna do? Because I was the same you know, way when I first watched this. Uh, about a month ago now mm-hmm. like just watching it, it's like oh crap what is she gonna do because like one she's told you do not do this you do not do this you don't have this and that's what mariner does be like she breaks every freaking rule mm-hmm. because she's got plot armor but uh so we, we get to the point it's where called, she it's called uh nepotism nepotism yes mm. it's called you got friends and you got family in high places and they're making sure you're not you're getting shielded a little bit exactly but it's like she she finally goes and talks with her and uh and then of course be like um uh captain hold on what's her name freeman freeman captain freeman calls her in the office and be like yeah huh exactly uh-huh you're like yep you did something be like you screwed the pooch girl yes and doesn't give her a chance to defend herself in a way because but be like leading up to it, be like, you you know, Mariner's going to do something and you know, Mariner doesn't know when to shut up. <laughs> yes. And I'll admit, I thought she, I was actually thinking, yeah, you stepped too far on this Mariner. Uh-huh. Until we actually saw the news report. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like, I, I, I still have issues with that report. <laughs> I still have issues with it, but it's like, okay, she finally gets kicked off. I'm like, yes, finally. <laughs> You don't know how much I've been biting my tongue all oh, the past Oh, yeah, I, 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 knew, I knew, I knew, I knew exactly. It's like, uh-huh, this is the episode she gets kicked off. Yes, praise the Lord, amen. <laughs> and she finally gets kicked off, and it's more, it's like, oh, okay, she starts trying to backpedal. It's like, no, 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 be like, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm like, yeah, huh, yeah, right. <laughs> like, you did something wrong. You're just trying not to, uh, you're, she, you're trying not to fess up to it. She did nothing wrong in this episode though eh. <laughs> I, I, you, I know you're just happy to see her finally get her come up and exactly she really should have this really should have happened to her a long time ago uh-huh but the thing is she actually was the only one who was being kind to her mother and knew what her mother was going through and in love show talk she talked about the best parts of serving on a california class vessel especially the cerritos mm. everyone else talked about everything you sh- don't talk about to a reporter yeah that's that's the one thing i didn't understand because like the entire season three it like mariner is just talking smack about everything mm-hmm. and so it makes sense that she's the one who says all this crap but mariner has always shown that when the stakes are down mm-hmm. She is in it for the family of the Cerritos. I agree with you on that. Throughout the entire thing. Yes, she gives people a hard time, but she is Starfleet in such a way that almost nobody else on that ship is. Yes, she's a problem child. Yeah, she's very. She's got, she's very, she wants, she's actually very, uh, 
everyone else is just kind of going along with the flow while she has actually from episode one mm. is actively trying to be what she sees as this the spiritual what she thinks says thinks starfleet is yeah she is trying to live up to that ideal mm. granted there are parts throughout the episode where she's just be, throughout the show she's just being you know a pain in the butt for the most part yeah, exactly because she is very sarcastic with the upper with, with the upper uh officers mm-hmm. she very much loves the idea of being a lower decks but here's the but the thing is her friends as they are she she gives boimler a hard time but it's oh, hard yeah. not to give boimler a hard time she's very supportive of tendy yeah. and of rutherford yeah. when they talk about every all this stuff she even is all up for uh showing showing the uh uh the reporter the warp core yeah mariner hates the warp core she says it's the, from the first episode. She says it's the most boring place on the ship. True. I think she secretly likes the warp core, probably because she likes Starfleet, and she and she really would be a great captain, I think, of a California class vessel because she's very much the embodiment of Kirk, just without the restraint. True. But I get what you're saying. Yes, yeah, it's she finally. It, it, was a, finally it was a boy it. who cried wolf situation uh-huh. every time she has been a pain in the butt it makes sense that at a time mm-hmm. when everyone is most worried about putting their best foot forward and mariner goes against what her mom or her mom, mother and captain says and gets involved with and, and, and privately goes and talks to the reporter it makes perfect sense why everyone thinks she sold them under the bus because mm-hmm. i thought she did exactly I thought maybe I because I can almost follow the logic. Mm-hmm. Of course, everyone else would be talking up the ship, and she's gonna say, "You know, let me tell you what really happened." Yeah, Kayshawn got turned into a puppet. Uh, we have we've had dealings with Q. That's just real life out here. We had the stuff with the Packleds. We had this whole thing where you won't believe this. My mother sent got all the engineers to go on a spa trip. Hey, who? What engineer wants to go on a spa trip? They just want to work on engineering stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's the one who had the breakdown. Cause like, of course, mother had the breakdown. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone thinks she said. Yeah, and that's not what happened. Yeah, it which goes was, to which show was, you was more of a shock to that. And I was like, right, <laughs> because like I said, boy who cried wolf situation. Mm-hmm because th- this is really i still blame this all on her mm-hmm. because if she had not been such a pain in the butt in mm-hmm. her even with being idealistic that's one thing yeah the stuff she does because of her ideals that's one thing and she's just she, a lot you know as well as i do she's a jerk half the time oh yeah she's very narcissistic very yeah so it makes sense that yeah that is back that backfire that history of that has backfired on her the one time mm-hmm. the one time she actually is is you know being supportive of the yeah. whole thing and the best part about that is because of what her mother did by transferring her off the ship it actually hurt her mother more mm. because the one person willing to speak po- according to the reporter the one person willing to speak positively about life on the cerritos mm. And just for talking to the reporter, she gets kicked off the ship. Yeah. Because Freeman, she, because, because she wasn't supposed to. She wasn't supposed to. But Freeman did this to herself by not listening to her daughter. Mm. Granted, daughter didn't give her much reason to. No, she didn't, didn't change anything. She should have at least found out what did you say to her. Yeah. Just saying. That's my thought. I, mm. I understand where you're coming from. It's yeah. Like she's finally getting her just desserts fact of the matter is this time this one time despite the fact 
no one will have any proof till the till the report comes out mm-hmm. no one can know this and nobody has her back not even her girlfriend jennifer mm-hmm. that's why when she gets off star she goes to starbase 80 see she doesn't quit just because she got transferred to starbase 80 mm. i would have yeah okay. from everything this show has talked about that would have been like you're kicking me off this ship to send me to a starbase shoot i ain't going to no starbase i don't care how good that starbase is you're kicking me off the ship i'm done i'm out of here i'm calling i'm calling my best girl petra yeah to pick me up and we're gonna go have indiana jones style fun yeah agreed. stealing klingon idols from ferengi makes sense i may have just went talked, to the next, went to the next episode. episode but yes, yes. I, I see what you're saying but it's like the whole part where it's like she was doing her best mm-hmm. and she actually did the right thing for a change and she didn't get credit for it. I've been there. Mm. Totally. And, that, and this is the beast. Then this is technically the A story because the B story involves how the ship gets saved from the brain from the brain. Mm-hmm. And that is the USS Alito. Yeah. The Texas class. Uh-huh. And I want to be happy that a Texas, that the Texas class saved California class as a native Texan, but I know where this story goes. Yep. We'll get to that in a minute. Are you ready to move on though? Yeah, let's let's move let's on. Let's go ahead to and move into the stars at night. Because as native Texans, we both know the stars at night are big and bright. bright. Deep in the heart of Texas. This episode was directed by Jason Zurich and written by series creator Mike McCann. The Cerritos crew must prove their worth in a mission race because this is the last episode that we will get to talk about this show in a while, much like we did with the previous one. I'm going through the whole cast list. Okay. Tawny Newsom plays Beckett Mariner. Jack Quaid plays Brett, Brad Boimler. Noel Wells plays Devon Tendi. Eugene Cordero plays Sam Rutherford. Don Lewis plays Carol Freeman. Jerry O'Connell plays Jack Ransom. Fred Tadasior plays Shax. And Jillian Vigman plays Ta'ana. Guest cast includes Carlos Alazaraqui as Admiral Les Buenamigo and the Alito Computer. That makes sense. Georgia King as Petra Aberdeen. Phil Lamar in an unlisted role. I suspect he was a crew member somewhere on the ship. Probably. Jessica McKenna as Barnes. Talks. Ola Guendoye as Amina Ramsey, Sam Richardson as Vendome, Al Rodrigo as Durango, Gabriel Ruiz as Talin, Paul Shear as Andy Billups, Carl Tart as Kayshawn, Paul F. Tompkins as Miglimo, Baron Vaughn as Mayer, and Michelle Wong as Wong. Okay, then. The title of this episode is from the opening lyrics to the American folk song, Deep in the heart of Texas. Mm-hmm. Continuity. Four admirals appearing on the Starfleet Council have been previously encountered in the series. Admiral Wong first appeared in Temporal Edict. Admiral Parker appeared in Will Always Have Tom Paris and Reflections. And the Trill and one of the human admirals previously appeared in Trial Sketches in the episode Grounded. Billups tells his engineering team that he wants to see commander data level work and that the isolinear chips better be a blur. Referencing the Next Generation episode, The Naked Now, where Data replaced a ton of isolinear chips so fast that it would look like a blur. Mm. Ta'ana references being previously assigned to an Oberth class starship, 
making the reference to that class for the first time by name in dialogue. Ransom teaches a group of officers how to command respect, which involves sitting on a chair by swinging his leg oh around gosh. the back of the seat before sitting down. This is a reference to the unusual way that William T. Riker would sit down in the chair, which Trekkies have commonly referred to as the Riker Maneuver. The computer terminal Admiral Buenamigo used to communicate with the Alito was visually similar to the one used for the M5 Multitronic unit from the Star Trek original series episode, The Ultimate Computer, which also dealt with a computer designed to command and control starship that it resulted in it attacking other ships. A similarly styled interface was also depicted in the illusory Sampaguita, the other Rutherford's spaceship. Yeah. Uh, piloted by Red Rutherford in Reflections, foreshadowing Rutherford's involvement in the artificial intelligence behind the Texas class. Mm -hmm. The Cerritos revisits the Galadornians who first appeared in the first episode of Lower Decks, Second Contact. Freeman refers to Ockmenic 9 as one of those Brigadoon-type planets that only phases into our dimension for a couple of hours a year. Mm. The name is a reference to the 1947 musical Brigadoon, which was about a magical Scottish village that only appeared for one day every 100 years. A planet shifting from one dimension to another is also a reference to the Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode Meridian, where the titular planet would appear in regular space once every six years and was also based on Brigadoon. The episode concludes the story arc concerning the origins of Rutherford's implant, which was most recently explored in Reflections. This is also the fourth and, so far as we know, the final episode of the Alito arc hmm. of this show. Hmm. When the truth about Buen Amigo is revealed, Freeman insisted that he's not one of those bad faith admirals that's up to no good. This is a reference to a recurring trope throughout the Star Trek franchise where Starfleet admirals tend to be shown as antagonistic toward the main characters and take part in secret and in, in illegal projects, including Admiral Cartwright, Admiral Mark Jameson, Admiral Nora Satie, Admiral Kennelly, Admiral Eric Pressman, Admiral Layton and Admiral Dougherty. Hmm. Dougherty was the one from Insurrections who uh, they had to use the Briar Patch the way Br'er Rabbit did against. Oh, that's right. That's right. Another reference to uh, Song of the South <laughs> this episode. The mysterious benefactor behind Petra Aberdeen's mission to retrieve and return stolen artifacts is revealed to be Admiral Jean-Luc Picard. Hmm whose archaeological interests were established across many episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. This episode also established that Picard was an admirable in 2381, which the press kit for Star Trek Picard Season 1 and the novel The Last Best Hope earlier established that Picard left the USS Enterprise-E and was promoted to admiral in 2381 in order to lead in the evacuation and relocation of the Romulans prior to their son going supernova. Mm -hmm as we see the aftermath of in Star Trek 2009. Mm -hmm. The procedure for the Cerritos to eject its warp core was referenced back in an embarrassment of duplers. When Rutherford and Tindy ejected a working warp core from a kit model of the Cerritos they built and used it as a makeshift explosive to open a hatch above them and escape the duplers. So they put way too much thought into it. They did. Agreed. In so, that episode. So curious because I know I know they've 
ejected the warp core before in the in Star Trek. In previous ones, it did not require two people physically inserting keys to eject it. Mm-hmm. Voyager, in the one or two times they had to eject their core, Bolana Torres, the chief engineer, who was also not Starfleet technically, as she was one of the Maquis members that had to be integrated into the crew, pretty much didn't require anyone's help to do so. At mm. least it's never shown on screen. Insurrection did not require it when LaForge ejected the core to use the Briar Patch the way Briar Rabbit did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's not common for that to be seen, but I can't, but other instances of where the warp core was integral to whatever they were doing, such as the self-destruct mechanism, mm-hmm. did require one or more officers of senior level to be able to do. Yeah. So I am guessing that perhaps in the other shows, whoever was in chief security had maybe already given their approval on their console. Mm -hmm. So the engineer could then make that decision, but that's never actually shown. And it admittedly in this one, this could just be a weird feature of the Cerritos at a time after the dominion war, when they didn't want one person to be able to hit a button and eject a warp core. If it was a, uh, someone getting into the ship that wasn't supposed to be there. Like say a member of the dominion. That's my thought process. Okay. Got it. There's not much that took place in universe Mm -hmm. in the alpha beta quadrants after the dominion war. So exactly what security procedures would Mm -hmm. be involved, which I can see this as being one. Yeah. We're ever gone into. Okay. The crew of the California class ships who appeared on the view screen when the Armada arrived have all appeared in previous episodes. Captain Amina Ramsey of the USS Oakland and several of her senior officers served as temporary command crew for the Cerritos in Much Ado About Boimler. Captain Durango and the USS Merced appeared in Moist Vessel. Captain Mayer and the USS Carlsbad appeared in Mining the Mines Mines. Mm. And Captain Vendome had originally been an ensign on the Cerritos in second contact before rapidly rising through the ranks to take command of the USS Inglewood, which we heard about in the least dangerous game. Mm. Last but not least, the crew of the USS Alhambra, who resembled alternate universe versions of the Cerritos crew, was encountered by Ta'ana when she previously boarded the wrong ship at Douglas Station in Veritas. That's right. <laughs> Talyn who first appeared in the episode Wedge Dudge, returns having now transferred to the Cerritos from her original posting on the Shrival. Mm-hmm. She is wearing the previous rank lozenge of an ensign, the provisional rank lozenge of an ensign, in the same style as that worn by former Maki officers on USS Voyager. In the franchises, not just this series, but the entire franchises, first post-credits scene. Rutherford's original implant containing Badgie being salvaged is being salvaged from the wreckage of the pack led clump ship from no small parts. It had previously lit up when it was shown floating among the flotsam as peanut hamper constructed her ship in a mathematically Mm -hmm. perfect redemption. But I want to talk about something that this trivia did not go into. Okay. The sound effect of the, uh, tractor beam. Okay. Was not, federation issue is not by any alpha or beta quadrant species that i'm aware of it really sounded more like a borg tractor beam okay 
Okay, I just watched First Contact a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. You know what? You're kind of right. Yes. It does sound... And you know what's really interesting about the Borg? After the end of Star Trek Voyager, we don't know what happened to them. Mm. Because the only way Voyager was able to escape as they were stealing the Borg Transwarp's conduit was by planting a program bomb that in into their into the uh hive consciousness mm-hmm. that should have separated ton tons of uh pretty much caused a ton of different borg drones to regain their individuality and should have crippled the borg hive mind considerably mm. but we do know the borg were still doing stuff post that because of the borg cube that shows up in picard season one mm. so interesting that badgie might be involved with the borg it would be kind of cool to see the borg come back because i hope borg were always my favorite villains Mm. so yes what are your thoughts on this episode this episode uh because i know what you said when i texted you to make sure you knew about the after credits scene Mm -hmm. i thought it was like it was like okay this is like be like obviously they they, they're in a conference and then uh the admiral the the mustache twirling admiral admiral buenamigo yeah buenamigo decides to be like oh we're gonna we're going to dismiss all the california class for the texas class which makes no sense it makes no sense whatsoever here's the thing i can see maybe canceling all current missions for the california class in favor of the texas class taking over and that might recall for at least a short amount of time that the cali class be mothballed Mm mm-hmm especially after maybe the Cali class is not as needed as much after the dominion war since the, since Starfleet shouldn't need that many. um, If the Texas class is truly taking over, uh, you may not need that many manned ships. If you've got an automated ship true doing all the grunt work. Yeah. That's the thing about the California classes. It's meant to be the lower decks ships. It's Mm. not ships of the line, like the enterprise or even that sovereign class that showed up in this episode Uh for no good reason yeah just be like oh we can so like we do a sovereign class in here yeah we'll just throw the sovereign class in here and boy they didn't stand up long no which <laughs> threw me for a freaking look like, that's supposed like, to be the most advanced ship in the fleet why is it getting taken out why is it getting taken out by the granted the texas class would have the newer technology but and it's got Against a computer a sovereign it's not class. got a human class but it's a sovereign class ship. it's a freaking warship <laughs> yes which made no sense but would be like cabinet you know <laughs> more more uh, like the the admiral says like oh we need to scrap all the california class for no reason except for like oh this one crew didn't do it right so we're gonna scrap everything makes no sense it would make more sense okay i mentioned a tos episode in the beginning it's called the ultimate computer in the yeah. trivia that the interface for the alito took its inspiration from mm-hmm. in that episode of uh they actually outfitted this computer into the enterprise for the same idea of like why put a, a manned vessel out there when an unmanned vessel would be able to yeah. do a lot of this stuff and basically the same reason why uh you know ten you know attendees saw that there might have been life there mm-hmm. basically that same sort of minuscule thing the computer wouldn't catch but a yeah. human a, a biological person would yeah. catch it was the reason why it was done there but 
In fact, in fact, I think at some point someone said, "I'm going to Dunsel." Rutherford says, "I'm going to hit you so hard you'll be like you'll be like Dun- you'll be Dunsold or something mm-hmm. like that." Dunsel was came from that episode where uh, they referred to the captain of the ship as being Captain Dunsel because Dunsel was another word for useless. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Dunce, yeah, Dunsel. Dunsel. Yeah. So, um, if they had gone more like that, even though it'd be very obviously more based on the Ultimate Computer, that where they were changing out like taking the command crew out of a california class vessel and putting this computer in charge and then re, re uh changing up all like the crew quarters to mm-hmm. be more uh you know more solid like the, we see of the texas class yeah. apparently got replicators built into it yeah and on a mass scale um maybe i could accept it more like that but yeah mothballing an entire fleet of grunt vessels because you have an automated vessel that looks fancy and shiny and new yeah is a little odd it is odd now i also want to say this as a texan at first i was annoyed that a californian who wrote this episode which is why the ship is a california class in the first place Mm -hmm. i was annoyed that he would cast texas as the villains mm. this texas class of villains because you know it's not hard to read between maybe the lines where california's great texas is evil sort of a thing yeah except i realized something who else would you cast as california's rival it's all like alaska there's not enough people there sure texas is only a little bit bigger in land area and it's a little bit under in terms of people just simply because of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But you talk about personalities. I mean, Texas and California are the only two that when you ask someone where they're from, they say that's where they're from. Yeah. Texas California. or California. California. Elsewhere, they might say, oh, I'm from Chicago or mm-hmm. I'm from New York City or New York generally. Yeah. I don't count that because everyone usually means the city when they say New York. Right. Or they might say they're from Florida. No, no one will admit they're from Florida. Uh, I don't know. Flor- Floridians, I apologize if I just made you mad. But I'm saying in general, yeah, in general culture, if you're going to cast an entire s- state against another state, mm-hmm. California and Texas are pretty dang close. It's about the only thing that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because we're the only ones that are really antagonistic against each other. Mm-hmm. So I'm really more annoyed that texas lost in some ways because right. we were the villain ship and not the hero ship because the hero ship has to survive yeah this is this is not you, you, is it only been if they somehow blown the cerritos up and then you had brought it back in another episode maybe i can believe that but yeah. that would require the texas to win and that would actually be a bad ending for the season and you wouldn't have this thing with all the, the california classes coming together to fend off this mm-hmm. last ship named after a small texas town that i actually had to look up where it is despite the fact i live in this state (laughs) but uh yeah it's i'm still a little annoyed that texas was that the texas class was cast as villains Mm. but i've said this from the beginning that this show is doing a lot better job of setting up the troubles we see later on in picard than Mm. picard did Mm. Because a lot of well, a lot of what's going to happen, this is a bit of a spoiler. This is mm. not really a spoiler because Star Trek already showed some of this. Yeah. On first contact day on in 2385, 
four years after this episode. Okay. April 5th, 2385. Yeah. While the shipyards at you at in Mars, Utopia Planitia shipyards mm-hmm. in Mars are going to be destroyed, blown up by a terrorist attack. And it's going to be done by a bunch of uh, androids that they had had built mm-hmm. to help speed things along to get ships to go help th- evacuate Romulus from, exp- from the star exploding. Mm-hmm. And that event while pretty much stopping anyone helping uh, Romulus at that point Mm -hmm. will cause all synthetic life forms to be banned in the Federation. Mm. Think about who that would mean. Data by at the end of Nemesis, if you don't know, dies. Yes. Yeah. And so the only, so B4 would be the only Noonian robot that would still be active that that would affect. And we see that in Picard, him already being, uh, being studied at the Daystrom Institute and being split into different, in his Mm -hmm. different pieces. Uh, the doctor from Voyager may have an issue because he's technically a computer program. That's a hol- hologram. Yeah. He's technically a synthetic life form. The exocomps, whatever you say about peanut hamper, I completely agree with. Yeah. But the rest of the entire race, <laughs> probably innocent. Yeah. Of, of any of these crimes. And yet they're going to, something bad's going to happen with them. And all of that is going to come down in 2385, four years after this. And in the original context, there's no reason other than that, the the fact that this one group of synthetics at, uh, attacked mm-hmm. these Noonian, Noonian style androids attacked and did all this. Granted, we found out later that there was more to it than that, obviously, mm-hmm. but you don't know that when they first bring this up. Right. Um, they really comes out of nowhere when they show that. It's kind of supposed to, because it's supposed to be building mystery. Yeah. But no point throughout the whole series that they actually go into what all was going on also around that time. This is actually doing a pretty decent job, especially when you get Badgie mm-hmm. being a problem in season one. We get uh, Landrew at the end of season one shows up. We get uh, the evil computer from uh, that one episode in season two mm-hmm. comes up. And then we see Peanut Hamper once she gets uh found again mm-hmm. is in is in the same place in the daystrom institute right next to uh that one evil computer mm-hmm. uh and then you have all of the texas class which are synthetic androids probably not of uh noonie soon level intelligence but it's the same ai that powered badgie for the most part mm-hmm. so to normal people, that's not going to be that much of a difference. And then now we know that Badgie is still alive. <laughs> wow, where they, they are really going to show? Yeah, there's not. It's not just going to be oh, this one attack mm-hmm. caused all this hatred to show up. No, it's going to be a constant thing after constant thing to where that attack is just the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, and I love that this is doing the the show mm-hmm. is doing this when it didn't have to. Agreed. They could have just gone and made a funny show. No, they're actually building lore to move us, move the story of Star Trek forward to make it a point where when Picard happens, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, agreed. Uh, okay, go sorry, ahead. I had to, no, I had to nerd out there for. You're a minute. good. You're perfectly fine. The, the, the idea of like that, <laughs> Captain Freeman is just like, oh no, we need to do a race for this. I'm like, you need to do a what? <laughs> 
you are raced to do this she was no. panicked because she didn't want to lose her job i understand that after I, she I embarrassed totally the entire class in the federation uh-huh i'm surprised she didn't get fired right there uh-huh because she should have been but it's like okay we're gonna do this race i enjoy what they do with tindy i really enjoy what they do with rutherford yes that rutherford understands oh it's the code oh it's this I'm like oh my gosh it's this guy it's the mustache twirling evil yes he's the one who caused me to lose my memory you're keeping their you're, you're keeping the uh implant anyway yeah because it's got all these other cool features rutherford, your engineering is going to kill you <laughs> someday Bear in mind, we still have evil Boimler out there somewhere. Yeah. He, working working for Section 31. And, yeah. And it's just like, it's like, okay, I totally get that. That's cool. It's uh, Tindy being herself and she's mm-hmm. worried, this kind of stuff. I love that. Uh, I'm, 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 there, there's a part of me like when Mariner gets brought up because I'm thinking, oh no, be like, this is going to be like everybody's worried about Mariner and just like, like everyone was worried about Boimler. When he was on the Titan. Yeah. Well, I was thinking there it was because that Mariner is kind of our main character. Yeah. In the story. Yeah, and it's split between her and Boimler to be to be honest. That but is yeah. true. But it was like, okay, they're 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 not focusing on Mariner, they're focused on everything else going on. Mm-hmm. besides the captain, be like her her grief for what she what she did. Well, everyone it's, feels guilty because they all talk down to mariner and their last last time they talked to her right the only reason they know she's not on starbase 80 anymore is because probably the captain told everybody she's mm-hmm. she left starfleet mm-hmm. or they could easily check those records themselves yeah that was another thing Go, kind of going back to the previous episode mm-hmm. where the reporter is talking about everything the cerritos has ever done that you know kind of shady that kind of stuff this is like a federation who's kind of be like, oh, be like, oh, we've done this. Be like, we want to be very transparent about everything, right? Except this is right after the Dominion War. You know as well as I do that when a war breaks out, yeah, rules change. What you would have gladly done in peacetime in yeah. terms of transparency, you don't do in a war because you don't want the enemy to find out, especially when you have an enemy that will look like you. True. and can easily get into stuff down to the thumbprint mm-hmm. down to the stuff that's that actually but the only, this is the only way they could tell when uh that a person was not a changeling was to take a blood sample mm. so it's very much like uh the thing from uh, john carpenter's the thing in yeah. that way so that's the situation they're coming out of so they have still have a lot of security stuff still in place a lot of that, that paranoia and panic about who is actually in the Federation. It's one of the reasons why Section 31 appears to be coming back, maybe not as clandestine as they used to be. Mm-hmm. They're coming back maybe almost full force, perhaps, since they have their own special mm-hmm. com badge again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is a different Federation than Picard's Federation. From okay, Next that makes more sense. This is one coming out of a brutal war that nearly this is like coming out of world war ii Mm -hmm. this was not cold war like with the klingons Mm -hmm. this was a bloody attack over and over and over again against uh between the federation and essentially the Mm anti-federation that was picking up systems in the alpha quadrant with like the breen and the cardassians Mm -hmm. 
and putting making them part of the dominion the dominion was trying to take over and they had a good they it really did look like it was going that way mm -hmm. and honestly because of the way the dominion war stopped in the last episode of deep space nine mm -hmm. it's kind of sudden so there's no what you, you have to think from their point of view they're still on alert they don't know what's going to come that makes it's, sense it, this is not that was not a war that like the federation had ever fought before because everyone before that was really more of a cold war mm. this was full-on military full-on battles everywhere uh so yeah it's it's this is a different starfleet that's had to act yes they are returning back to their explorer roots mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of paranoia involved makes sense makes sense okay so that makes a little more sense because i kept thinking it was like but wouldn't like people in general like like know what these ships are doing even in, the, in the... picard and kirk's time not necessarily because you also have to remember one of the things this is one of the things i don't like about Ab the abrams verse these are supposed to be distances far enough away that it's like being on the frontier in the old west back in like uh right after or after the civil war it's supposed to take time for communications to occur okay it's not meant to be in the instantaneous that we see and that is true probably up until deep space nine yeah because i can see the need of maybe up the upping the the communication speeds oh, between okay. the systems better i gotcha after it's a problem in in the abrams verse in my opinion because they make everything seem like star too much like star wars yeah but I can kind of see why maybe communications, social communications might be in better shape at this point because of probably a lot of wartime money was put into mm -hmm. increasing the capabilities of the subspace network. Yeah. I get that. I get it. So, and plus, why would a, any military organization publicly talk about every single thing that they, even if it's unclassified, yeah. they don't talk about everything yeah you have no need to and there's some things you probably wish were classified that aren't that you pray nobody ever asks about sure such as you know a prominent businessman who owns 70 some odd franchises across the galaxy being kidnapped under your watch true granted it was his fault to begin with but mm. that's not how it would have been uh talked about true. especially on deep space nine that which was the uh you know the essentially the front lines of the dominion war mm -hmm. bet your communication to that station is still in good shape understood anyway sorry anyways it's, i'm not it's, trying to tear down every point you bring up i'm just no. pointing out this is probably why yeah it's it's good points it's good points it's like i i, I get it but there's those parts of it's like okay so be like they, they realize that you know the um uh, Bonamigo is the bad guy, and now he's gonna be like, oh, because now they know and be like, oh, I, I should have destroyed you, uh, uh, Rutherford. Pr Rutherford, thank you. I should have destroyed everything part of you, Rutherford. But it's like, okay, I'm gonna have my ship destroy you. Oh, it backfired. It's gonna kill me. No. And it's like, okay, that's kind of funny. But at the same time, it's just like, okay. And then the sovereign class shows up. And then it gets white. He's just butt kicked. That was a why? I think because they needed about two more minutes of footage. That is true, but it's like which in a streaming show should not be a problem. <laughs> it just made no sense for that this sovereign class, which was like the warship of warships. Yes, it's taken out by just like 
at least it wasn't the Enterprise. That is true. It's like, oh my gosh, that gave me a headache. And then it's just like, okay, like, of course, Mariner shows up. And like all the other California class show up. I'm like, how did she convince all these captains to show up? When be like it's Mariner and everybody probably knows Mariner is not the greatest person to Mariner work with. Mariner has connections. That's true. She does have connections. She has that connection with uh, her friend that was on that runs that one ship mm-hmm. and knows that when Mariner is actually active on the ball and not actively trying to mess screw stuff up, mm-hmm. is probably the best person than Starfleet. I would agree the way, with you. the way they show that off. That's how yeah. it's presented. Agreed. That makes sense. Uh, Vendome, the boy, the Bolian. Uh, mm. captain of that yeah. one ship he knows exactly how she is because he she served under him she, he knows how kind of character and when you know when push comes to shove she knows that she's probably truth. and plus if she, the way she found out that the cerritos was getting attacked mm-hmm. they probably all knew it too true and the only reason they did, hadn't shown up over there anyways because they needed somebody to say hey if we are going to survive as a class, we need to band together and go take out this robot ship. Mm. And Mariner is a very good at being a, uh, what do you call it? A, uh, she, she's very good at encouraging at, at convincing people to do something to actually. Granted, yeah. She misuses this a lot, a lot, but she does, she does have this ability to encourage people to, to, to do stuff. They wouldn't, they may not, they want to do be iffy to do because you know none of those ships had orders right they probably were in stand down mode because to see how this uh mission race thing was going mm. to turn out since it was going to determine yeah i don't know why this was allowed to determine this mm-hmm. <laughs> in no the first sense. place where they showed it but it, to see how this would go and yeah the fact that a human a, a an actual officer found this thing and actually may have caused an issue a prime directive issue that the ship if it malfunctioned would have skipped mm-hmm. it was thankfully just a little bit of dust in the soil but that has been known to actually be something in star trek mm-hmm. this time it wasn't what if it is next time yeah and it's a texas class that found it and just said oh pff, it wasn't it's not biological life i don't care yeah there i agree with you on that i completely agree yeah it's just it's horrible for me to talk ill of texas but <laughs> it's a fictional ship <laughs> I, I get that uh like you you brought a, a lot of really good points because there again I, I guess, i've been thinking of this episode for two months thinking do i like this or not does any of this make rational sense there yeah. is stuff i don't like that very much feels like it's funny of all the episodes, Mike McKayan's episodes are usually the ones I, I like the least. Mm. And yet he's the creator of the show. Yeah. So it's like, I know he has ideas and he's probably the starter and stopper of these things. And he's probably executive producing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't like his writing style because it involves Shaq's doing the chariot of fire run to the, to the that war. That was pr- stupid. Court. It was stupid. And, but I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then of course, all the Cerritos, cla- the Cerritos, the California class is showing up. It's like, why not just every man Federation vessel? Why have just one class have all of them show up because this is going to affect all of them. Mm -hmm. Once the Texas class takes out the Cali class, 
what's stopping it from taking out the all the old constitution classes uh -huh. all the old excelsior classes all the old miranda classes mm -hmm. and all the other ships that are still active and still doing good works out there eventually the sovereign class is going to be affected by this mm -hmm. if it's allowed to continue where it, where you know you follow it all the way through because at some point someone's going to ask if this one class of vessel can do it without anyone being involved why aren't we doing that with all of them yeah like it's it's, it's like self-checkout at a grocery store yeah they started with one or two as a convenience and now it's really the only thing half the time you can get true except True. where you work yeah for now for now uh so yeah but like you brought a lot of points up in there again i do have a lot of biases towards mariner because yeah. i have i've never i haven't liked mariner i know this a long time but and it's just very easy for me to play devil's advocate because i kind of you, you have to remember my rationale for how this works in star trek mm -hmm. because a lot of this really shouldn't mm -hmm. is that this is not what this is not the events that the, that's actually happened the events that they're portraying don't happen exactly the way we're seeing them mm. we are seeing a hollow novel or a hollow drama based on the logs of the four main characters yeah and a lot of them are going to exaggerate especially since mariner's one of these four mm -hmm. so a lot, of course she's going to be putting in all this other stuff that maybe doesn't have anything to do with anything but shows her being cool bormler's going to be focusing on all the uh cool the cool upper the you know all everything ever everyone else is doing especially the stuff on the titan mm -hmm. uh rutherford of course gonna be focusing on the engineering and tendy she's focused on all the cool science stuff and all that mm -hmm. cool stuff and the way their stories mash mash together is why way we get this mm -hmm. it's that's how that's the lens we are seeing it through now granted there is an episode of strange new worlds mm -hmm. that's coming up that probably i'm gonna make us have to review as part of this story arc okay when it happens even though it's live action because of the uh mm -hmm. the fact that it may affect season four okay uh but we'll get to that when we get to season four yeah uh and that if that shows those characters any more standard starfleet style like the rest of the star trek franchise that will pretty much prove my point that this is not who these characters really are this is how they're being portrayed by someone who is looking at these logs and trying to get at the heart and pretty much making a comedy out of these events because mm. that's what i think is i think that we are seeing some a somebody's some, remember how earlier in the series when uh when uh there was those rumors going on around about mariner and how yeah. she, that she actually started mm -hmm that kind of proves what's going on here she is a very much a, a tall tale teller very true and this really does feel like more of that tall tale telling mm -hmm. in some ways i love the show don't get me wrong but yeah. i still don't think this is what actually happened because otherwise why would you make the packloads I mean, the packloads are stupid characters yeah why would you make them that stupid they're not that stupid there is they do follow a logic there's not like oh you want to so you you want a peace treaty that's above my helmet you're going to need a bigger helmet <laughs> they're not that stupid they're yeah. stupid but they're not that stupid quark is that greedy but he, they you don't show it that obviously yeah anyway yeah anyway um because i think because the other thing is, is you look at any anyone playing reprising their roles on this show mm -hmm. 
they're not reprising them how they were playing them. They have an ounce of fun thrown in there. Of course. Because this is not who the characters really are. Even Riker's the best option for this because Riker doesn't throw that much jazz into what he talks and how he talks on the show. Mm. It comes up. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like he's not saying, give me a warp factor into five, six, seven, eight, like at the end of the first season. Uh It's not like that. Anyway, sorry, I'm geeking out. (laughs) You're fine. You're fine. Yeah, I mean, like, it's uh, like, it's trying to look past those biases because they're going to have a bias towards uh, uh, Mariner. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, I enjoy what they did. I enjoy what they did with the episode. Um, And it's just like, okay, like, maybe Mariner didn't do what me like, maybe she didn't do what me like. Everyone thought she did. Yeah, everyone thought she did. I was I was halfway expecting that it was something that be like someone pulled something strings in the storyboard, but like, oh, we've got to make this nice. It wasn't really Mariner. Everybody else was doing it. That's my thought. That is that. It was, Except uh, that doesn't fit her character. I, I get what you're saying if, because on a surface, yeah, she's the one who's the pain in the butt. That's a lot of. Her, but the thing is, her character is more complex than that. Yeah. She is the kind of one who would stand up for to someone who was trying to badmouth the California class, especially when she saw who all was being allowed to talk and thought these people are, they're great people. I love them, but they don't know when to keep their mouth shut about certain things. Okay. Which was proven. <laughs> they didn't know when to keep their mouth shut. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. Just I get like, your point. I get yeah. your point. And I know you don't like Mariner as a character, mm-hmm. but I, I, I think she's a better character than you're giving her credit for. I, 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 I can see points, but at the same time, looking at like psycho, like through like a psychological lens, it's just more. It's I have to break. I would literally have to break it down. Literally break it down to like who this character is, and it's just like at some points it makes no sense why this character would do this, but I understand it's a comedy. Let's have fun with it, but at the same time, be like a character like Mariner would not do this, but. That's just me. I think she would under the right circumstances. And I think those were the right circumstances. Okay, fair enough. That's just my thoughts. Yeah, fair enough. Totally fair. Because like, people are more... I, I know people are, people more, are com- more complex than they seem. Yes, agreed. Anyway. Agreed. Yeah, be like, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. And there again, trying to not let my biases be like, yes, she's gone. Bye. <laughs> kind of thing. And besides, you know, just like when rather when a boimler left at the end of season one there was no way they weren't gonna find some excuse to bring her back yeah bring him back yeah bring him back and when she left here it's like okay you're having an excuse maybe it won't be till the beginning of season four but you'll have an excuse to yeah bring her back that's and that's, it will make sense yeah honestly yeah it makes sense she mm-hmm. realized honestly this her leaving was probably the best thing for her okay yeah because she'd been in starfleet all the time so leaving she was allowed that breath of fresh air but she was already feeling like yeah this freedom is nice but now i want to go back Mm. and maybe i have to make sacrifices even in my ideals in order to make make this work because starfleet is very complex i it's Mm. not going to fit my ideals all the time no organization does right so maybe i need to get over myself yeah and in a way that's what she shows because she went back to a even even though the, she knew the crew felt might probably felt guilty, mm-hmm. especially she knew her mother probably felt guilty. Mm-hmm. She was she literally went back to an area where 
everyone the last time she saw them hated her guts yeah that's hard to do even if you know they probably are going to forgive you yeah or they're going to ask to be forgiven themselves yeah that's hard mm-hmm. and she still did it yeah because she knew the right thing to do was because none of the california classes needed to lose their uh their jobs simply because or you broken up simply because this automated new tech thing came through that's obviously not going to be as good as uh people think it is because she's studied starfleet history she knows the events of the ultimate computer mm. she knows this is going to go the same way mm. I don't know. i'm probably reading too much into Possibly. it but the one thing i've noticed known about mariner from the beginning is that she, she is very idealistic and she wishes starfleet was probably this way it was before the dominion war but the dominion war changed a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and now it's she wants she doesn't like she she wants to go to what she believes starfleet is maybe mm-hmm. not what it actually is yeah and i think a lot of this story is going to require her to and we have seen this i think her growing up yeah and coming to the realization i, I would agree with you and yes. definitely in season three she's grown yeah. up a little a little as a character now i, I think still, she's grown overall but that's just me yeah uh i would agree with you on that be like she has grown up she has grown she has matured in some mm-hmm. ways uh my hope would be in season four it's that you see that mariner has turned a new leaf and she's you know not this you know you know a, a um obnoxious obnoxious about everything that is the thing she is obnoxious and to some degree that is going to still be part of her character because Mm. that's just how she is but hopefully she's we can even see at the beginning of this season she was starting to have more respect for the chain of command even if she was still being very free-spirited about how she did things a little bit more respect a little bit and now we're getting she's got she she actively asks for ransom to be her mentor Mm-hmm. despite the fact that granted part of that's like yeah i want to bug ransom because it's fun yeah bear in mind she thought he was hot in that one episode of season one sure when he went full federation yeah so maybe there's some um, i don't know she technically is also dating jennifer so right. who knows? i don't know who i don't knows? know how it's gonna go i think she is learning boimler has had to has had a lot of growth this season mm-hmm. with the whole bold boimler thing which has yeah. been good or ill sometimes but for the most part it works for him right agree. it's worked for him a lot uh tendy has grown as a uh science not, mm-hmm. not just and in, in, as you know being in the science officer mm-hmm. training but also in her acceptance of who she is because mm. in the it's in the ds9 episode she had to go back she had to rely on her orion pirate training because mm-hmm. apparently she's a pretty big deal in the Orion Pirate Syndicate. Apparently, we still don't know what all that's about yet. Even though in that one episode, someone called her princess. Mm. <laughs> um, and then you got Rutherford, who has had the most plot of the entire show so agreed. far. Agreed. What with the implants, and we finally get a lot of answers in mm-hmm. this uh, this last episode. Mm-hmm. So I am curious where they're going with his character too. Yeah if we're talking about characters who had the least amount of uh character growth mm. that goes to miglimo because he's still the same stupid bird he was when we first met him <laughs> that is true making food puns yeah food puns he's heard time. agreed anyway yeah 
so yeah looking forward to season four whenever that comes out it's and supposed to come out at the end of next year i'm guessing we will not jump on that immediately uh especially if we are still in the middle of either x-men or we've started something else yeah because we will have to jump on something as soon as we finish x-men Mm -hmm. uh but the next time we are able to jump in and talk about season four maybe when season five is coming out like we did these well yeah i'm definitely looking forward to that and yeah. we'll, i'm glad be happy to see where this goes agreed so uh you got anything else before we cut out of here we do need to talk about what we're reviewing next yes which for the actual show is a you well i keep saying a youtube video it is a fan animation i believe yeah they're sure or at least it's someone who did some animation yeah they're uh apparently i'm not signed into google sheets uh yes i know so we're next week reviewing the short my cat lucy mm. what is that about that is i'm not gonna spoil it because there it's a short and it's interesting. It's a it's a guy and his cat. And okay. The the cat does some very interesting things. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna leave that up to like Drew over here watching it just to see his reaction. Just like, okay, that's what's happening. Okay. And then uh, for animated series, we're gonna be looking at the first two episodes of X Men: The Animated Series, Night of the Sentinels, parts one and two. Nice. And that's how we are starting off 2023. Yep. So join us next week for that. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And if I can hit the buttons, you in can the right follow order, Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob. And we'll Heron. catch you in the his next Facebook frame. page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts. Google Play Podcasts. Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L.